Needs to get up here. Here we go. Good morning, everyone. I'm Steve Archibald. I'm uh, one of the people that attend Lakeside. I also uh, serve on the elders board here, and uh, my wife and I have been a part of Lakeside for about got to be more than 20 years now, I would think. And so it's great to be here. And uh, Paul is away, our senior pastor. If uh, you're not familiar with Lakeside, he will be back at some point, but. Uh, I have the privilege of uh, bringing some, uh, some word to you this morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I also serve at Mediba, which is uh, one of the mission partners here, and we are a year-round center that does summer camp, outdoor education, retreats, and leadership training. And uh, we appreciate all of your prayers and support. We've had a phenomenal summer ministry, and uh, so it's great to... Uh, yeah, great to be able to report that. And uh, we are slowly moving back to more normal ministry like most places are as we've come through the pandemic. And so we continue to appreciate your prayers. One of the things that, uh, of course, we do is we hire uh, quite a few uh, summer staff. And most of those people are uh, late teens, early, early or young adults. And uh, we have uh, normally we would have a team of uh, roughly 65 summer staff on top of our 15 year-round staff that serve out at Bediba. And so we have quite a large group of people and they're all sort of in that demographic of, you know, sort of 17 to 25, uh, a lot of them fit into. And it's, a, it's an amazing privilege to work with uh, those people. And uh, a lot of them uh, are working and journeying through their faith. And uh, so our prayer and our hope, and we've just spent some time evaluating our summer and reflecting a little bit on that in terms of the ministry to all the kids uh, and our families and our day campers. We do overnight and day camp and so on. And uh, one of the things that we always also reflect on and talk about is, is our staff, the staff team that we had and how they're doing and where they're at in their spiritual development and growth and so on. And of course, we do a lot of things too you know, try and impact our staff and see them grow and be challenged and so on. And one of the things that continually we talk about is moving our staff, most of which are all believers and have made a, a profession of faith, and Christianity is the faith they're following and they're serving the Lord, uh, certainly by coming and joining us. But we're always also talking about that, that notion of lordship, that notion of I'm all in on this and where they're at. And so for a lot of our staff, they come from Christian homes, some do not. And, but for all of them, this is a big time in their life of making their faith their own and really understanding Jesus's call on their life. And so, you know, we do, we talk about following and lordship and transformation. We don't just want to believe something and not have it impact our lives. We want to see that have a foundational place in our lives and transform us into what Christ is calling us to be and to do. And so uh, we're constantly praying, and now we're in the season of you need to get plugged into a church. You need to get plugged into a spiritual community with all of our, all of our summer staff because we, we see them come alive and start to understand and, 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 and see some incredible impact and things happening as they join together in our summer ministry and now they're back in university, and now they're back in the workplace or whatever they go back to, and we, we just desire for them to continue to grow. And our mission at, at Madiba, 
part of our mission anyways, is to, to see people continually say yes to God. And that word continually is important because it's an ongoing, everyday commitment, sacrifice to the things that, that we believe. So I was thinking about this and, and this idea of following and all in and lordship and the seriousness of which we need and should take this belief that we have, this faith that we have. And I was going through uh, a number of sermons that I've done in the past, and I, instead of making a brand new one, I found one that I had actually done a number of years ago when we did the fan or follower uh, series. I don't know how many people would have been here at that time, but we did a series which was based on a book and then a video series that we did in our small groups, and then we also did speaking from here. And it was this idea of moving from being a fan of God or a fan of Jesus to being a follower. And what's the difference between those two? Are we just a fan? Are we just here? Yeah, we believe in God. We believe in what this is. We kind of like getting together on Sunday. We kind of like some of the things that come with Christianity. You know, sort of that fan mentality. But, you know, if my team kind of goes sideways or doesn't work, I might switch to a different team. You know, it's just as opposed to maybe the super fan or in, in the case that we used in, in that series, this idea of following, like it is, well, I'm all in. I'm there. It is going to change my life. It's going to be the foundation that I build my life on. And so there was this, this difference that we were talking about. And uh, one of the things that we talked about in that whole series was the cross. And we have a, a cross there. And so this morning, I'm talking a little bit about the cross as I work through this theme of, of lordship, and maybe the word I would use for this morning, our theme is transformation. How do we move from and understand this belief that we have and move through and transform it in something, something so much more? And uh, so hopefully this morning, there's something for everyone. For those of you that, have, that are following and have made that commitment, hopefully it'll be an encouragement and a... And a reminder, and those that are maybe seeking, those that this Christian faith, I'm not quite sure about it, hopefully you'll get a little bit of information that'll help you in, in that decision and as you contemplate and think about whether you want to be a follower of Jesus. And so that's, that's where we're going to go. And so this is going to center around the idea of the cross, and our theme is, of course, transformation. So keep those two things in mind. I have some slides that we're going to work through. So we're going to do a little bit of inter interaction right now, just to, I want to hear some things from you. And I'm looking for some words, and so what we're going to do is when I say the word cross, okay, so uh, when I say that word cross, and I mean the noun, not the verb, we're not crossing something, but the cross, what are words that come to mind? Just shout, shout them out. So, what, sorry. Sacrifice. Suffering, forgiveness, salvation, sorry, Jesus, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that actually is a good answer. Sometimes you know, Jesus, you can't just say Jesus for every question when you're in church, but this time it works. Yeah. What else? Providence. Grace. Mercy, love. Home? Oh, hope, yes, of course, yeah. Justification. Justific ooh, 
big word, yeah, justification, important. Yeah, like when we think about this cross, and we see crosses everywhere, right? People wear them. We often see them in church. They're in logos of Christian ministries. Sometimes it's, you know, part of your Bible. It's imprinted on there. We see this picture. We see this idea of the cross all over the place. And we don't really, we don't think too much about it. We think mostly positively about it. Now, let me say, let me give you another word. And you tell me what words come to mind with this word. Guillotine. Death. Sorry? Punishment. King Louis. King Louis, yeah, that's right. The French, the French Revolution, yeah. What else? Swift. Judgment. Blood. Sharp edge. Absolutely. How many of you have seen a guillotine put up like we put up crosses or worn around people's necks? We don't. We don't. And I want you to, th- I want you to think about that for a minute. Because what is fascinating is, is that we have two instruments of death. One, we have a very different perspective on the other side of Jesus' experience with it. And the other one, it still is death and darkness and horrific and, yeah, don't even want to think about it. Now, what's fascinating is that if we go back to before Jesus, and I asked the same question to an audience at that time, we wouldn't hear words of hope and love and grace and salvation, we would only hear the same kind of words that we heard with the guillotine, which were just brutality and death and murder and whatever. All of that was part of what the cross was. In fact, I did a little bit of research. It's very difficult because I'm not sure there is a, a, a codified, there's been this many people who have been killed on a cross and this many people killed with a guillotine. So I had to do a little bit of... But if we go back in history... It would seem that far, far, far more people in all of our history have been killed on a cross than were ever killed by a guillotine. And if we compare the two instruments, one was very much a brutal, suffering, horrific way to die, and the other one, although scary, as someone says, was very immediate. In fact, some people would say the guillotine is a much more humane way to end someone's life than hanging them on a cross. Yet, somehow, the idea of the cross has been transformed in our understanding. And I want you to think about that. Can you ever imagine the guillotine being, like, how could that ever be a symbol of peace and hope and love and care and, like, all those good things? How could that ever? It happened. It happened with this cross. Because of what Jesus did in him suffering and dying on the cross. And to me, it's just fascinating. And I want you to think about those two different things and the transformation that happened with that symbol. And I want you to also understand as we go and speak through and everything I have to say this morning, 
That same transformation is what the Christian faith is all about. It goes from something that you could never imagine being full of hope and love and care. And we are transformed as people into something completely different. We remember the past, but we've been transformed into something new, something different, something to celebrate. And it, to me, it's just, it's just an amazing thing to think about. I have a couple of scriptures I want to read this morning. Uh, Luke 9.23. And he said to all, if anyone, would, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So we, we see this idea of a cross now being talked about, and this is Jesus talking about that, and he has this interesting term, take up his cross, meaning you and I have to take up our cross. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but this idea of somehow doing that, an important word there is daily, and in another word, follow me. So there's something we need to do First, this taking up the cross, whatever that is. And then the second thing we need to do is follow. And it seems like that's something we're supposed to do every day. Okay, so that's the first piece of scripture. And then we're going to look at Matthew 10, 37 to 39. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. We all love our mom and dads for the most part, so that's strong language. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, again, strong statement. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. There's that term again, take up or take their cross. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, you might have noticed uh, on the first screen uh, I titled this uh, sermon The Paradox of the Cross, and we're going to look at three paradoxes, but these two passages really start to talk about the seriousness with which we undertake our Christian faith and what this is all about. This is, this is not just something we kind of show up for and cheer, yay, God, uh, yeah, it sounds good. This is like, I'm in. Not the fan, the follower. And there's something when I move into that, there's some kind of transformational thing that's happening in my life that is kind of this significant transformation like we've seen with the cross from brutality and death to life and hope and so on. Our sermon in a sentence this morning is this. Following is not about trying every day but about dying every day. I guess we also have the theme of death this morning. Dying every day. This idea of taking up our cross and dying. We're going to talk about that. And our goal this morning is to understand what it means to carry my cross in following Jesus and being transformed. So that's where we're going. History. At one time, the cross only met meant death and guilt and darkness and weakness and condemnation and suffering. And, of course, we mentioned a lot of these words earlier when you threw out words in our association time. But what's fascinating is, is that it now also means 
Life, grace, light. You guys said all these words. That was wonderful. Freedom, hope, love. It's incredible. And we've seen that transformation. Now, what's interesting is that the cross represents all these new wonderful things to the point that we have a cross. Not only do we hang the cross up there, we light it up to give it an emphasis because it's so important, so significant. And it still, though, let's never forget, it also does still represent sacrifice and death and brutality. So it's two. It's two of those things. And it's this mystery, this paradox, that something can be both death and life. Is, is some of the things we're going to look at this morning, this paradox, this how could it be two seemingly different things, or how could two different things that seem opposite be true? Paradox. And we're going to look at that. So, paradox number one. The cross is a symbol of death and a symbol of life. Both death and life are involved, or could we say a process of dying and then transformation, are involved in this idea of the cross. And it's fascinating that we can have these two things existing together. Now, when we are called to carry our cross, what I believe that means is that we are to die to ourselves, right? And then we are transformed to a new life, a new life with Christ, a life of Christ-likeness, if you will. We die, we are changed, and that transformation process happens. And it's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing thing. And so there's this idea of transformation. And this idea, going back to our scripture, that we carry our cross or bear our cross is this idea that every day we recognize that this is not about me. I need to set aside those things and I need to live for Christ. It's transformation. What does die to ourselves mean? And I've got a little table here that we're going to show. So our purpose, our priorities, our will values, understanding, thinking, and hopefully and eventually our behavior, those things change or die, right? And that's the center where they die and are changed to uh, Jesus's or God's purpose, priorities, will. Is that coming in? No. Oh, there we go. Thank you. They're changed to his purpose, his priorities, wills, values, understanding, thinking, and behavior. And in the middle of that little graphic there is the cross. In the same way that at the point of history where that cross changed things forever, when Jesus died on the cross, bearing our cross, dying to self, is a change in our life. And we go from... You know, darkness to light. We go from death to life. And it's amazing. And this is a transformation that happens. And so this idea is that every day, you know, and our scripture talks about every day, I need to carry my cross and then follow Jesus. I need to give over all of those things that are my will and all the things that are mentioned there in the, in the table and, and give them up 
sacrifice them, say, nope, put them to death, so to speak, and then accept what God and our Lord Jesus Christ have called us to. And that's the following piece. So there's the dying to self or carrying our cross and then taking up his purpose, priority, will, value, understanding, thinking, and in our behavior. And that's this idea of transformation. And it is, as Jesus said himself, it is a daily thing. And we all know that every morning, every day, sometimes throughout, maybe it's multiple times in the day. Nope. (laughs) That's what I want to think or want to do. I'm going to set that aside. And then I'm going to do what God's called me to do based on what his word says. And so looking at that a little deeper, what does that, what does that mean? We yield our whatever that is for what Jesus wants. We give up our whatever those things are for what Jesus wants. We sacrifice our fill-in-the-blank again for what Jesus wants. And we put what Jesus wants ahead of what we want. Now, some of you might be listening to this and saying, well, gee, this is not a real great sales pitch for Christianity. Because you're telling me that I have to radically change all of me and what I want and desire and think and so on to do something different. Well, that's, that is true, and it seems paradoxical. That's why we use that term for this morning. And, yeah, The reality, though, is that as we go through this process and are transformed, the other side of this is something so much different, exactly like the example of the cross. Keep reflecting back on that. The cross was something horrible and became something amazing. This same transformation from where we are to what we can become through Christianity and through the work of the Holy Spirit and God in our lives, is incredible. And some of you would say, well, my life's not that bad, and things are okay, and, you know, I'm, I'm living life, perhaps. But when you are transformed, wherever you are in this spectrum of my life is miserable to my life is okay, on the other side, it's a completely different thing. And again, remember that cross. It is a completely different symbol than it was before Christ. We are completely different than before, than before Christ and after Christ. Paradox number two. Living for ourselves is not good for you. Now, it would seem, seem to be strange to say that. If I live for myself and I look after myself and care for myself, that should be good for me. And in some cases, I... Sure, we need to live healthy lives and so on. That's not really what I'm talking about. But as we talk about if our whole life and everything about it in terms of all that we are is all centered on what we want, desire, and our goals and all that, that actually isn't what you were created to do. And when we do things that aren't what we were created to do, we don't live whole lives. We're missing something. Something's not quite right. We were created to live in an intimate relationship with Jesus, being transformed by what he did for us on the cross. That's how we were created to live. And so 
It may seem like, oh yeah, life's not too bad, but when you really get down to it and you go through this process and you understand and you sense and you, you are transformed, it's a radically different thing on the other side. Ecclesiastes um, 1, in the first two chapters, so is, uh, you'll probably be familiar with that passage, but it's, it's Solomon, and he basically is bemoaning that everything in life is meaningless. He starts off with saying everything is meaningless, and then he goes on to talk about the fact that wisdom is meaningless. So if I'm the smartest guy, which history kind of tells us that Solomon was incredibly wise, and God blessed him with wisdom, but he then says, all this wisdom is for naught if it's just all about me. He goes on to say pleasures. If I, if I just can have everything and seek and satisfy every pleasure that I possibly have, it's still meaningless. And, and he goes the other way. He says, well, if it's wisdom's not, then I'll just go and do dumb stuff or, or be a fool or do whatever. Well, that doesn't get you anywhere either. And in some ways, whether you're wise or whether you're a fool, your life still ends the same. And it's all meaningless in the end. Who remembers a wise person a hundred years ago or a fool a hundred years ago? We don't remember either of them. And he goes on to talk about it. It's like, what's the point? What's the point? It's not a, not a, <laughs> not a real encouraging um, passage. But it really, when we stop and reflect on it, it does give us a picture of life. And he talks about work. If I work hard, you know, and I do all the things I need to do. I remember uh, I studied business in school. And uh, so it's a whole bunch of us and doing our Bachelor of Commerce and all this stuff. And, and uh, in your early 20s, the big thing is, <clears throat> you know, with all the classmates, like, okay, we've got to make a million dollars by the time we're 30. Okay, so that, and this is, this is the driving force in, in their lives, um, I went into full-time Christian ministry, so that was a very different uh, set, of, set of goals for me. But, uh, but that was the driving force, right? Like, and it just was, you got to work. And some of, the, some of the people that I went to school with, I mean, they would go and work 100-hour weeks, right? And they're just, they are always at work and whatever the, whatever the area was. And so what, in the end, is what is what Solomon's saying. So what? This idea of seeking out life for ourselves, when you stop or when you're on your deathbed or hopefully reflect on it far earlier than that, you'll come to the conclusion. It's like, what is this all about? There's got to be more. I hope that there's more. Well, and the good news is there is. And we live for eternity and we can live lives now as we prepare for eternity that have a massive impact and it impacts people for generations after generations after generations. And uh, we can live differently. 1 Corinthians 1.18, interesting passage here. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. So again, we have this idea that somehow in our lives, this idea of Jesus dying on the cross is a significant foundational piece for us in terms of understanding the meaning of life and living a whole life as we were created to live. And that's a fascinating thing to think about. 
The offense of the gospel, which is sacrifice and die to self, it's a bit offensive, what do you mean? Or you're a sinner and you're separated from God who wants to be in a relationship with you. It's like, wow, what's, what's wrong with me? He doesn't, doesn't want to be in a relationship with me? Yes, he does. We can't be in a relationship with him because of sin. So there's all this offensive part of the gospel that is a challenge, as you probably come across when you share this with people. But that same offense, when people work that through and hopefully come to a saving knowledge and the Holy Spirit starts to bring some enlightenment to that, it, is, it becomes a blessing because we start to realize that, wow, now I'm living the way I was created to live. And there's something about that. We're going to share that in a, in a little slide here. Because who would want to do this? Well, let's take a look at the next slide here, and I've got another little table. So if we look at living for self, and then we look at that center column there, and we base it on purposes, priorities, will, values, understanding, thinking, and behavior, and hope, and then we look at one side of the cross versus the other side of the cross, we start to see that living life by ourselves or for ourselves, life is meaningless. But living for Jesus, life is eternally meaning, not only for us, but for all the rest that, that we bring along with us. And the generations that they impact and the generations that they impact. I don't know how many of you perhaps can trace back faithful believers in your family generation after generation after generation. Even if they're not in your family, we are all here today as those who believe and are following Christ because of people for the last, since, since the world began. Somehow that got passed to someone who then passed that to someone who passed that to someone and they all accepted this truth. They all understood who Jesus was and made a commitment, became followers of Jesus, somehow impacted somebody else and eventually that got to you and me. And we're all sitting here because of people in history who have been followers. And one day, maybe, I don't know, that would be pretty cool to go to heaven and actually be able to trace my salvation line all the way back to Christ. Wouldn't that be something? And meet all of those people because of you, and then because of you, and then because of you, and because of... We got eternity to do it. If it's a long line, that's okay. <laughs> and so we too can be part of that, however, however long before the Lord returns and, and history goes on. We too are those people for someone else. I mean, you want some meaning? Who live forever in eternity? That's pretty meaningful. Our priorities, when we live for ourselves, are misaligned with the Creator and how He created us to be. Living for Jesus, they're aligned with the Creator. Our will is self-serving or it's others-focused. Our values are unfounded or there's unknown truth. Or our values are based in truth. We are in a world right now that is moving very quickly to there is no north when it comes to truth and values. And it's very fascinating to talk to young people who are moving that direction um, because if that is true and they follow in that direction, things like we see around the world, the conflict, the wars, countries taking over other countries, at some point you really have no way to say that that's wrong. Why are they wrong? Where, wh what's the truth that says that's right or wrong? If there is no truth, there is no true north, there is no... And where do we get that from? 
So there's something incredibly wonderful and peaceful when we understand that we actually can base our decisions, our values, our understanding in truth and not just how we feel or what we think in the moment. Our understanding is confused and misguided versus enlightened and clear. Our thinking is futile versus truthful. And our behavior builds a kingdom that will one day be destroyed or builds an eternal kingdom. I was just reading about in the news about there was a big super yacht convention. I think it was in Monaco. And they say there was close to $4 billion worth of yachts there. Uh, the largest yacht was 117 meters long. So that's, I think that's north of 350 feet. These are privately owned. People own these things. And I'm reading this and I'm just like, like for what? Right? Like, they are not taking that stuff with them. You know? And I don't think most of them are buying the yachts and then, you know, hey, let's, let's run a Christian ministry off of this yacht. Or, <laughs> you know, all the, humanita- all the humanitarian things that could happen. You know? Um, and there, there are some ministries like that. And, but, you know, it just was like, what, all of that? And, of course, if that yacht happened to be parked in a location where a storm comes through, it's no more, as many people have lost so much in the recent storms in North America. Hope. Hopelessness. We don't have to look very far to see hopelessness around us. People are just struggling, suffering, don't understand why, 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 hopelessness. But we can have eternal hope and even if our lives here are a struggle and are difficult, and a lot of times they can be and are through seasons, this is but a fraction of the time that we're going to live our lives because we're going to live forever. And when eternity starts for us, which I guess it already has, but when it starts and we're in heaven, it never ends. And all of these 40, 50, 60, 70, however many years the Lord blesses us with here on earth will be almost as nothing compared to living forever. Better to be connected and serving Jesus than all of this living for self stuff. That reality is heavy versus the other reality is light, even in the midst of difficult and dangerous or difficult times. Living for Jesus with all of its sacrifices of self is better than living for self and those realities. Paradox number three, and we're going to wrap up with this one. Letting go is receiving. Again, that doesn't make sense. When we take up our cross, we let go of our own will and take on God's. And with this comes the fulfillment of why we're created. Touched on that already. We live in a relationship with God here on earth and forever in heaven. Sounds risky. How could it be true? What if it isn't? I'm afraid to let go. It may not be better. These are all the things that sometimes cause us to not make that decision. Many never completely let go and never experience the fullness of followership, the fullness of lordship, the full transformation that God wants to do in their life. We look at a caterpillar and we've already looked at the transformation of the cross. We look at a caterpillar and how it transforms from 
you know, or a moth transforms into a caterpillar and how incredibly different that is and how amazing that transformation is. We need to die to self and see that same kind of transformation that we've thought about with the cross or that we understand with a butterfly. And when we make this decision, it's such a foundational thing that we build our whole life on. And another illustration I will often use with young people, because they understand this, is that if you take your phone, we all have mobile phones and so on, I can add all kinds of programs into that phone, and we call those apps, right? But when we make a decision to follow Christ, we, we get a new phone. Maybe, maybe, maybe you had an Apple, and now you have a Samsung, right? That's a different, it's a different operating system. And so, I've, okay, it's a different operating system. And all of these apps that I had before, the, you can't just move them over here. They can only go on here if they submit to the operating system that's driving them. We don't, we don't put on Christianity like an app, like a fan, like a, hey, this is great, I'll try this for a little while and whatever, and sure, yeah. No. It's, we're... We're changing the operating system that everything is based on. And every app that doesn't work with that operating system is gone. It dies. It leaves, right? And all the new apps that go in all submit to the new operating system. It's a complete transformation. How many have, how many have moved from one kind of platform to another with your cell phone? It's, it's, a, it's a big change. Right? right? It's a big change. And some of you are happy with that change. <laughs> but, you know, it's a big change. And that's this transformation. So, to conclude, the cross is a symbol of transformation, which is very much a paradox. And followers understand and live out these paradoxes every day. The cross is death and life. You know, it's... it's Living for myself is actually not better for me. And letting go actually is receiving. And this this morning, we're going to take up communion now, and, and it's a great time to reflect on the cross. It's a great time to reflect on that moment in history when Jesus came and did the transformational work on the cross that we now can have as a part of our lives. He, he transformed the idea of that symbol forever. But more importantly, he wants, to, he wants to transform your life and the lives of those around you. And we need to die to self. We need to figure out what Jesus wants and desires of us, and then we need to be all in and go after that. Let's just pray, and then we'll prepare for communion. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his obedience on the cross. Father, we often don't really even think about the cross uh, and its transformational picture in our minds, but when we stop to think about it, certainly when we compare it to a guillotine and other instruments of brutal death, we realize that something significant happened, and Jesus made that happen. And Father, that In some ways, greater than that, transformation can happen in our lives. 
And Father, help us to understand that. Help us to just really think about that and reflect on that this morning. And Father, we need to die to ourselves. We need to make you Lord of our lives. We need to set aside the self-operating system, and we need to replace it with the Jesus and his word and his will operating system. And Father, the other side of that is love and hope and peace. Father, and a whole life live the way that we were created to live. Thank you for making that a possibility. Thank you for the reminder and the incredible things that you have done through the work of Jesus, his work on the cross. Father, may that be a real and significant thing to each and every one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.